Hey, what up, Tam? It's your boy, Norm, and I would like to welcome you to episode 82 of the Evangelical Norm. So, it is Monday, January 7th, uh, middle of last week, Wednesday the 2nd. Uh, rumors started moving around on social media in the morning that there were new changes being made to the LDS Temple Ceremony. That day, a statement was released by the First Presidency of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, uh, essentially acknowledging and, uh, and, and, and essentially, basically, proving that the rumors are right. Uh, I'm going to read that statement uh, in its entirety so that no one can blame me of misrepresenting. So I'm quoting this from the mormonnewsroom.org, which has obviously not yet had time to change their name to the members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints newsroom.org. Um, so here is what it reads. The First Presidency of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints has issued the following statement, quote, Whenever the Lord has had a people on the earth who will obey his word, they have been commanded to build temples, scripture, Scriptures document patterns of temple worship from the times of Adam and Eve, Moses, Solomon, Nephi, and others. With the restoration of the gospel in these latter days, temple worship has also been restored to bless the lives of people across the world and on the other side of the veil as well. Over these many centuries, details associated with temple work have been adjusted periodically, including language, method of construction, communication, and record-keeping. Prophets have taught that there will be no end to such adjustments as directed by the Lord to his servants. A dedicated temple is the most holy place of any holy of any place of worship on the earth. Its ordinances are sacred and are not discussed outside a holy temple, unquote. So, with this being said, again, it's an acknowledgement that uh, that this is always going to be changing. That forever... There will be changes made, um, which essentially uh, uh, just frees them up to do whatever they want. Uh, again, Joseph, when he talked about the Book of Mormon, he said that it contained the fullness of the everlasting gospel. The everlasting gospel. And then it was changed. Um, I want to say that the in Doctrine and Covenants, and I, if I could remember exactly, it's been years, but I do know that... Uh, the temple ceremony was was called everlasting, and it has changed. So I, I kind of feel like you know Indigo Montoya here saying you keep using that word. I do not think it means what you think it means. Uh, there's this constant change going on, you know, the ever changing, everlasting gospel, and so of course the fact the last step, part of that statement that. The temple is holy and that the, the ceremony should not be discussed outside of the temple keeps us from knowing for sure and having absolute certainty on what the changes that are being made are. But in the rumors and so on that came out, uh, you know, members of the church have, have leaked, I guess is the best way to say it, um, because these are not official releases of what is being, what is going to be changed, um, or what has been changed, but these leaks have come out. So um, here are 
just a few of them, and I'm quoting this from Rewire News, uh, their article that they just recently wrote about it. A few of the changes are, God now speaks equally to both Adam and Eve. Covenants of obedience for men and women are now uniform instead of distinguished by gender. And women are no longer required to veil their faces at points in the ceremony. So obviously, these changes have come in response to political pressure from, uh, you know, the outside world onto the LDS church uh, in the areas of gender equality. So just like back in the 70s when the civil rights movement um, was gaining what had gained and was was making a lot of changes um, the LDS church once again fell under political pressure uh, you know I've, I've heard different reasonings behind it one of which uh, was that schools were refusing to play basketball against BYU and football against BYU because of the LDS church stance on on people of color um, and their worthiness to hold the, the priesthood. And so I guess I should just say men of color because it was it's only men that are allowed to hold the priesthood. So, um, and in 78, suddenly because of, well, I say it's because of the political pressure, which it's pretty obvious that that's what caused it. But God gave a revelation to Spencer W. Kimball, uh, my cousin, uh, you know, right? Um, somewhere along the line, he and I are related, some distant cousin somewhere. I have family members who have done all the genealogy and know exactly how far back and where we are. But I'll just call him Cuz, um, Cuz. <laughs> and so, but he got the revelation that all men uh, can receive the priesthood, which actually completely contradicts what, a, what Brigham Young had said. Well, said Abraham Lincoln. That's a that's a weird faux pas um, slip up. What Brigham Young had said that no black man would ever hold the priesthood until every worthy white man held the priesthood. Well, obviously that hasn't happened. There's a lot of worthy white men that don't hold the priesthood, but yet um, based on, I mean, let's just call us. Well, let's not go there. Let's just call it what it is. It was political pressure, and these changes are because of political pressure. It is the constant changing, and, and this is what the LDS Church does. It's constantly changing to appease. You know, um, major changes in the, the LDS uh, temple ceremony, and part of which back in the 90s, where they removed the whole part of the of Satan's Lucifer's preacher is removed. And I, I, I think that um, this was in their effort to try to become more mainstream, um, less offensive to uh, Orthodox or mainstream Christianity, uh, trying to get into where they can lay claim to the name of Christ and so they removed this, and we see other places where, um, over the years, where bits and pieces of this were about Satan's preacher were removed. Um, 
the specification of the, the preacher's salary from Lucifer and so on, and then completely removing the preacher from it at all um, in their attempt to become more mainstream. And so we see these changes that are slowly happening um, to the, the LDS church. And I'm, I'm pretty confident that they're going to end up going, you know, caving to the political pressure of the LGBTQ um, agenda as well. And we'll, I'm, I'm fairly certain within the next 20 years, if Jesus doesn't come back before then, um, that we will see the LDS church cave to the political pressure of the homosexual agenda. And we'll just have to see what that looks like. But I'm pretty confident that it's going to change because we have this track record of constant changes. You know, Joseph Smith called the Book of Mormon um, the most correct book of any book, and then it was changed um, well over uh, 3,000, closer to 4,000 times. Um, if I could find my my copy of Gerald and Sandra Tanner's book, I'd, I'd be able to give you the exact but was 3,913 or 3,918 changes that they documented. And since that book was released, there's been even more. I mean, at this point, there may be well over 4,000 changes to the most correct book of any book, and man can get closer to God by following its precepts than any other book in the world. Why, why is any of this... What, is, what does this mean? What, why even bother talking about it? Right. I mean, I know I'm going to get all kinds of uh, comments and so on. Well, not really. I have 39 subscribers. So unless somehow this goes viral, like my other Book of Mormon video, um, I'll probably get one or two comments about uh, the ever changing world of Christianity, which is nowhere near what Mormonism has gone through. And, and let me break that down for you. Jesus came and he established his church and he established his gospel. And the simple gospel was this, that was established. And it's scriptural and it, it's very simple. The What makes Christ, uh, an Orthodox Christian church Orthodox is, is very simple. It's what we believe about man and our sinful nature, what we believe about God and who he is and his nature what we believe about Christ and what he did and how we are saved and, and what salvation looks like. So essentially what we have is this, that man is sinful and in need of a savior. We are, we are not basically good, but we are basically sinful. Man is, is sinful by nature. That is how we're born. That's our default is to sin. And you can see that in children. Nobody teaches their kids how to lie, but my two-year-old daughter already knows how to lie, and I never taught her how to do that. Um, man is sinful by nature. We are in need of a Savior. And Jesus, who is God incarnate, and the, again, we come that, to the nature of God scripturally. What is God and who is God? God is uh, the creator of all things. He is three persons in one being. Um, he is the Father, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. The Father is not the Son. The Son is not the Spirit. The Spirit is not the Father. The Son is not the Father. Right? We have this, this picture of the Trinity. Um, but Christ, the, the incarnate 
second person of the Trinity, came to earth, fully God and fully man, lived a perfect life of, of active obedience and righteousness, and he paid a sinner's debt. He took upon our sin upon him, and he nailed it to the cross. And then if we will repent, and, and our repentance and our faith in Christ is, again, a gift from God. It is not a work. But if we will repent and put our faith in Christ, which God gives us, we see in, in Scripture that God grants us repentance. Faith is a gift that is given to us by God. So these are not works. These are not things that we do. Salvation is by grace alone, and Scripture makes that very clear. That God draws men to himself. He gives us faith and repentance. He give, grants that to us so that we can be receive what Christ has given to us, which is reconciliation to the Father, which is forgiveness of our sin and his imputed righteousness. Um, and that that is, that is the, the basic gospel. That is what is basic orthodoxy. And as long as Christianity... Uh, Christian churches maintain that. That is what makes us orthodox. And that has never changed from, from the time that Christ walked the earth within 30 years and, and those letters from Paul and Peter and the Gospels were being written within, within 30 years, 60 to 70 AD. So we'll, we'll call it 40 years. These books were written. Some people say John was written later, 80 to 90. But within that first century, all these books were written. None of the, none of the, none of the New Testament scripture is later than that. No matter what anybody tries to tell you, we have manuscript evidence that shows that these things were written first century, contemporary writings to, to Christ's uh, life, death, burial, and resurrection. And this has not changed since then. You know, we've had churches that have, have fallen away from that. We had Catholicism that began to teach tradition and, you know, the doctrine of ex cathedra, that when the Pope spoke from the chair, that he was speaking doctrine and infallible, which we know is wrong. The, the church, the Catholic Church started giving indulgences that the doctrine of purgatory sprung up, which is nowhere in scripture. All these things as they, they, they drifted away from orthodoxy. And then we see these things pulled back into, um, into line with scripture in the Protestant Reformation. And so we have a lineage back to the foundation, but Mormonism doesn't have that. It's constantly changing. It has been changed. It is it is morphed to it's something that is completely different than what Joseph Smith initially taught, which still, even in, in and of itself, even if it hadn't, that's still false. You know, the entirety of the Book of Mormon, and I, I am, I'll leave the, the link for my <clears throat> my Book of Mormon video that's closing in on 50,000 hits on my other page, which breaks down um, the false, the fraudulent, fraudulent nature, that's what I'm looking for, of the Book of Mormon. And all of Joseph Smith's other quote-unquote scripture, the Pearl of Great Price has been proven to be a, a, a figment of his imagination based off of what he called the facsimiles that he called 
the Book of Abraham, which are nowhere near that we know now are Egyptian funeral writings. It's a book of the dead. And so that's been disproven. The Doctrine and Covenants, oh, maybe if you're lucky and, and stretch reality a little bit, maybe five, six of the revelations, the prophecies that Joseph gave in the Doctrine and Covenants were fulfilled in, in actuality. Um, so again, we, we have the, the legacy of a false prophet laid out in, in disproven scripture and constant changing of uh, liturgy and doctrine and ceremony, which Orthodox Christianity doesn't suffer from. So um, again, I, I share this in my desire, in my hope that people will walk away from the false teachings, from the blasphemous teachings, from the heretical teachings of Mormonism and, and come to know Christ, come to know the Savior who, who came incarnate, God in the flesh came and lived the life of a, of a human being, perfect, keeping the entirety of the law without sin and yet was willing to take upon himself the sins of all mankind and carry it and nail that record to the cross. If you are watching this, if you are LDS and you are angry because I've exposed the, the temple ceremony and I've, I've, you know, I've disrespected your, your faith and whatever it is, I beg you to look at the Bible as the word of God, which it is, very unchanged over centuries. You know, there we have different versions, we have different languages, we have so on. But when you take the scriptures that we have today, the, the Bible that we have today, and you really break it down according to the manuscript evidence that we have, the plethora, if I'm going to use... Um, movie quotes three amigos <laughs> um, a plethora of um, manuscripts we have so many manuscripts Old and New Testament thousands upon thousands that when you take and you compare them and then compare them to the word that we have today it is 99.9% uh, unchanged from what those ancient manuscripts are. And so we may not have the autographs, but we have enough manuscripts that we could know with, with great certainty what the autographs said. And what we have in most of our translations today are very close. Is Like I said, 99.9% and nowhere do you see a change in doctrine until you get into Joseph Smith translation and um, you know New World translation, where those things were intentionally changed by men who were not Bible scholars, who were creating their and fabricating their own blasphemous, heretical religions. That's when doctrine was changed in the in the Bible. But and what we have, what what 
genuine scholars have, have given us to today is very accurate to the early manuscripts of what we have. So there has been very little change and no doctrinal change. Nothing has changed in, in the essential doctrines of Christianity. And you can look into that. You can find that for yourself. But I beg you, if you're, if, if you're Mormon, if you're LDS, um, if you're a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, I beg you to look at Christ to look at who he truly is, not Lucifer's big brother, not a, a spirit offspring of Elohim and one of his wives, but the eternal, co-eternal God. <sighs> Jesus, God in the flesh, came and carried your sin to the cross. And if you will just repent and put your trust in him, the true Christ, the, the true God of the Bible, not a fabrication of Joseph Smith, not a man who had to, to, to live through a, a series of doctrines and teachings and, and prove himself worthy on another planet to gain godhood on a planet of his own, but God who has always been who is, who was, who is, and who is to come, who is unchanging from eternity to eternity. He is God, unchanging, matchless, has, knows no other gods beside him, triune, Father, Son, and Spirit. That God will draw you, I pray that he will draw you to himself that he will call you among his elect and grant you faith and repentance to put your trust in the, in the sacrifice, sacrificial work of Christ on the cross and in his work alone and that nothing that you can do, you contribute nothing to the work of your salvation except for the sin that made it necessary. I beg you to look at that and look at that God who is so far beyond comprehension that you would, would put your faith and your trust in him and walk away from the fabricated, ever-changing, ever-changing ever gospel of the Mormon church. And Christian, if you're listening to this, go. And share your faith with the people around you. Share that gospel with people who need to hear it. We know that, that God draws men to himself. That God is going to choose who he's going to save and who he's not. But we don't know who those people are. And so he has called us. He has said, go. Make disciples of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to obey all the things that I have commanded you. And I am with you always to the end of the age. This is a great commission that Jesus gave to us to say go and, and, and share this gospel, this unchanging gospel, that man is sinful in need of a Savior and that God the Father provided that Savior through God the Son who he sent to, to bear the sins of mankind on that cross, to die a sinner's death, to be buried and resurrected, 
proving that that sacrifice was was accepted and that God could be both just and the justifier of those who have faith in Christ. So Christian, please, if you're, if you're LDS or whatever religion you are that you might be watching this, this atheist, Buddhist, Hindu, Islam, whatever it is that, that you follow after, that whatever false religion you are, are clinging to, flee from that. Turn to Christ. Put your trust in the only God who can save you. And Christian, as always, preach the gospel at all times. Use words. They're necessary. And until next week, Soli Deo Gloria.